Crossroads. We are excited that you're here. And let me also welcome those who are joining us online, whether they're just listening to the audio version or whether they're actually joining us on Facebook Live. We welcome you just as well. Uh, a couple of announcements I want to kind of bring to your attention that are actually in the worship guide, but it always helps if I kind of talk about it. On the 30th, uh, in both of our services, we're going to be observing baptism. If you have made a decision to follow Jesus Christ and you want to take that next step of baptism, we'd love to get you included in the baptismal service. So you can do it at 8.30 or you can do it at 10. Uh, there is information in the worship guide. Get in touch with Lori Dove, Lori Dove at CrossroadsLebanon.com. Uh, she can help you and she will help you get all the information you need and get you scheduled for baptism on the 30th. Also, after the second service on the 30th, that would be after this service, we're going to do a newcomer's luncheon. Uh, we tried to do one back during the, fall, the spring break, and it just didn't work because there weren't enough people. So we're rescheduling that for November the 30th. It'll happen after this service. So again, if you are kind of new to Crossroads or maybe you have never attended one, it's not really formal. Uh, it, it's just lunch with other people who are kind of like you and are new to Crossroads. And you'll hear me just kind of talk about the vision uh, and the mission of the church. And, you know, again, it's not like theology and questions and all. It's just not that way. It's just my way of kind of getting to know you and you getting to know us a little better and seeing who people are and what people do. So there's a sign-up sheet out at the information kiosk. We'd love to have you sign up and we'd love to have you be a part of that on the 30th. That's a couple of weeks away. So again, make a note of that. Well, I think it goes without saying that if you're like me, you spend a lot of time on social media. Uh, again, uh, that's one of the things when we did the fast uh, that's one of the things I fasted from because I spend too much time on Instagram, but again, that's, that's my go-to, but there are things like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest. I mean, there, there are a thousand different apps that you could do, and, and whether you realize it or not, you just like me are being influenced by all of the time that you spend on social media. So it kind of brings me to the question you know, you talk about your social media feed. What's your feed feeding you? I mean, what, what, what is your feed feeding you? Maybe more importantly, I should ask the question, how is social media impacting the way that you think? Maybe the next step is how is Instagram and Facebook and uh, Twitter, how, how is that impacting your theology? And really, when I say theology, a lot of people go, well, I don't know what you mean there. Really, can I just tell you what theology is? Theology is just what you think about God. I mean, the, the word theology actually comes from two Greek words. Theos, which means God, and logos, that means word or rational thought. So theology is just your thought about God. What do you think about when you think about God? It's really this. It's really theology is your God thought. That's what theology is. And, and whether you realize it or not, you may say, well, I really don't have it. Everybody has a theology. Every, everybody has a theology. Even the atheist has a theology. And what's really interesting is this. It's your theology that ends up kind of shaping your life. Your theology is the very thing that actually shapes your life. See, here's the thing. If you don't think about God very much, you, don't, you kind of just don't even think about him at all, then you know what? It's ultimately shaping your life. If you think God is mad or mean or angry at you, then ultimately that's going to end up shaping your life. And if you see God as important and included in every aspect of your life, if you see God as a very present help in a time of trouble, if you see God as the creator of life and the creator of the universe, and he knows how to help you get the most out of your life, then you have to understand that's going to impact and shape your life. As a matter of fact, the theologian A.W. Tozer said this, he said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is actually the most important thing about us. Now think about that. Look, look, at that. look at the quote. It's the most important thing about you because why? Because it shapes you. 
Our theology is what shapes us. And this morning, here's what I want, to, I want you to hear me say. As your pastor, to some of you, and as your friend, I want to tell you what I'm seeing that's happening because of these things. Many people that I know are getting their God thought from ungodly places. Many people are getting their theology from ungodly places. I don't think that we realize just how much these little things influence our thinking. I mean, we have no idea how much time we spend on these things. Because you're like me, you spend hours scrolling, tapping, liking, commenting, arguing with people on different apps. I mean, research has basically said that the average person with uh, one of these, an iPhone, a Samsung, whatever, whatever all the other ones are, a smartphone, they spend an average, this is the average, an average of two hours a day. They check, I've seen different research, and research says that some people check their notifications as many as 340 times a day. That's average. Some of you are sitting next to somebody who is way, way above the average, right? You know what I'm talking about. I mean, you know that. So if you have one of these phones, there's no doubt that you have apps that allow you to do different things. I mean, you can keep up to date with friends. You can keep up to date with family. You can, you can let, they can let you know what's going on in the world. And again, I alluded to it a while ago. My favorite now is Instagram. I just love it. I, 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 let me tell you why I love it. I love Instagram because it's quick. I can see Max and Harper playing golf. I can see Grace Ann dancing. I can see Mary Alice smiling. And I can see Marshall playing with his monster drug. You know, I mean, that's just, I mean, it's really, really quick. I love the pictures. I love the videos. And the thing I love about Instagram, it's really quick. But there are other apps that are out there on those phones that allow you to get or to know just about anything that you need. I mean, you get news, you get sports, you get all those kind of things, and it all happens on this little device that you carry around with you all the time. But see, this thing is also filled with people's opinions. People's opinions about the things that are happening in our world and in our nation. This thing is filled with political arguments trying to tell you what you should believe about the, the latest tragedy that's happened in our country. That's what social media is doing. Let me just tell you this morning, it's not just social media. All media is trying to influence your thinking. See, here's the thing you need to understand. The job of media is not just to give you information. But the job of media is to influence what you think. And I can't tell you how many times that I have been talking to someone and they were telling me about something that they had heard. And I was like, and it was crazy. And I was like, can, can you just tell me where you heard that? And guess what they did? They pulled out their phone, they scrolled down, and they went to Instagram or Facebook or, tw or Twitter, and, and, and they showed me. This, 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 this is where I got it. A blog, a post, a tweet. So can I just tell you something? Just because somebody tweeted it doesn't mean it's true. Just because it's in somebody's real doesn't mean it's real. Jesus said that we can know the truth. He actually said this in John chapter 8, verse 32. Look at what it says. He said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
He's not saying just any old truth. He's saying you can know the truth. That there is a truth out there. And he's telling us this morning, Crossroads, once you know that truth and once you live that truth out, that truth is actually the thing that will bring freedom into your life. But there's a problem in our world today. And the problem is relativism. And you say, well, what does that mean? It means that all truth is relative. It just means, you know, that what's true for you is good for you. And what's true for me is, is good for me. That, that's really what relativism is. You know, the truth that you know is good for you and the truth that I know is good for me. And relativism actually declares that, that there are no absolute truths. Which, when you think about it, is absolutely illogical. Because when they make that statement, think about this, track, track with me. When they make that statement that there are no absolute truths, they are making an absolute statement. And when you think about relativism, it's, it's, it's just illogical. It's self-defeating. Because the very statement, if all truth is relative, is true, then their very statement about truth being relative isn't even true. Because it's not logical. Because think about it, the world in which you and I live in it operates on absolute truths every day. I was eating lunch the other day at uh, McAllister's. And let me tell you why I like eating there. When the temperature is nice, you can eat outside. They have a patio. I was by myself, me and all my friends right there at the table. You know what I'm saying? Just me. And Andrew Bird, who, who runs Gibbs Pharmacy, uh, who used to attend church here, uh, he, he came by and tapped me on the shoulder, and, and we talked for a minute. And, I, and it made me think about today's message and talking about absolute truths. Absolute, you, you have to understand, Andrew is a pharmacist. Now, let, let, let's say somebody gives you a prescription and you take it to Andrew. You know what you want? You want absolutely what's written on that piece of paper, Right? You don't want anything else. But, but, but let's say you go in and there's, we're living in a world where there are no absolute truths. You give him the piece of paper and he says, oh, well, Randy, I don't have this, but I do have this. It's for, it's for people's backs. You can have it. You don't want that. You want absolutely what is written on that piece of paper. Stop signs. They don't mean that you absolutely don't have to stop. No, you don't have to stop. Just do whatever you want. No, you stop. That's what a stop sign is there for. I mean, think about it. What if there were no absolute truth in regards to our traffic laws? What if a red light doesn't mean that you actually need to stop? It would be chaos. Because that's what our world operates on. Our world operates on absolute truths every day. But our culture has become a culture that really values tolerance more than truth. We value tolerance over truth to the point that if you and I are truthful with some people, we're seen as intolerant. And so here's the thing. We live in a world that has redefined everything. We live in a world that's redefined tolerance. Because here's what tolerance used to mean. Tolerance used to mean that you and I could disagree about something. And here's the thing. Even though we disagreed about something, we would still respect each other because we both understood that we were made in the image of God. So we may disagree morally or politically, but we're still going to be polite to each other. But today, tolerance has come to mean that all thoughts are equally valid. Can I give you another absolute? That's absolutely crazy. 
Because all thoughts are not equally valid. See, I can say this. I can say that the earth rotates around the sun. And another person could say, no, the sun rotates around the earth. And those are not two equally valid thoughts. There are absolute truths in this world. And listen to me. As a follower of Jesus Christ, we have got to know those absolute truths. Because listen to me, Crossroads, if you don't know the truth, listen, 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 you will believe a lie every time. Now, here's what I'm going to do. In just a moment, I'm going to actually unpack what truth really is. But before I unpack what truth is, I want to tell you what truth is not. And here's the first thing I think you need to understand. Truth is not what you feel. Your feelings are valid. They're just not always right. Now think about that. Truth is not what you feel. Your feelings are valid, but they're just not always right. Because think about it. Your, your feelings, my feelings, change over time. And if you base the truth on what you feel, then you know what? I'm going to feel one thing today, and let me tell you, I'm going to feel a completely different thing tomorrow because tomorrow is like a crash day for me. I, I can't tell you what I'm going to feel because it's going to be different. Well, Randy, I just got to tell you, you know, it, it, I mean, where does this work? Well, let me just, let me just say, Randy, it, it, it really feels good. Right down in my feeler. You know what I'm talking about? So if it feels good in my feeler, that's what I'm going to go with. Well, let me see how that works out for you. When that state trooper pulls you over on the Davidson County line on I-40, that long stretch where it's really easy to go fast, anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, they sit right there in the middle, and man, you're right on them before you see them. When he pulls you over just over the hump into Davidson County and says, hey, did you realize you were going 90 in a 70? And you said, well, I didn't feel like I was going 90. He says, well, my little gun here said you were going 90. See how that works out for you. Or, or, or some of you students, let me give you this. Let's, let's say you take a test, and the, t- the teacher passed out the test after you're done and the, the grades on the paper, I don't even know if they do that anymore. That's what they did when I was there, me and Abraham Lincoln, you know. They'd write the grade on there. You get the, the test back, and there's your grade. And you thought, well, I felt like I did better than this. And the teacher looks at, looks at you and said, well, I felt like you should study some more, you know, Jack, I, you know, because you didn't do very good. You can't go with your feelings. It's not what you feel because, listen to me, your feelings are going to change. So truth isn't what you feel. Here's something else. Truth isn't what the culture decides. Now, I know, I know, I know some of you, some of, some of you, you I, I mean, I love you, but I'm going to get up all in your business right here. I don't care what Joe Rogan thinks. I don't care what Sean Hannity thinks or Don Lemon or Anderson Cooper or Joy Behar or Theo Vaughn. I had to throw Theo in there because I love him. (laughs) Just because they say it doesn't mean it's true. The Bible tells us as followers of Jesus Christ, test everything. Test all spirits against the truth. And let me just go ahead and say one one more step here. Just because the Kardashians say it doesn't mean it's true. As a matter of fact, if the Kardashians say it, it probably is not true, okay? So you just need to understand that. Because if you don't know the truth, you're going to be trapped in believing a lie every time. That's why we don't look to Hollywood to tell us what's right and wrong, amen? Come on now, get some life in this place. We don't look to Hollywood to tell us what's right or wrong. Just because they're a good actor or just because they're a good athlete, that doesn't mean that that individual knows the difference between right and wrong. You can't listen to them for truth. 
You can't let those people shape your truth. Don't let them shape your theology. You can't let them shape your God thinking. I mean, it's even about what we vote on, people. Just because it's politically correct does not mean it's biblically correct. Just because the politics is doing it doesn't mean that it's biblically correct. So we do not let culture decide what the truth is. Here's the third thing. The truth is not circumstantial. Well, but Randy, stop, just stop right there. We've, we've grown as people. We've evolved as a people. And now, Randy, we're, we're so educated that we have the ability to, de, to, to define what marriage is, to, 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 to define what identity really is. No, 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 you don't. Because God has already decided that. Take it up with him, not with me. He decided that. And that's the truth. It's not circumstantial. It doesn't change. It's not changing in the circumstances or the situation because that would be something different. That's called situational ethics. Truth is not a moving target. Because if truth was a moving target, we would become unstable in all of our ways. The Apostle Paul said this in Ephesians 6, uh, Ephesians 4. Let us no longer be like children. Look at what he says. Forever changing our minds about what we believe because someone has told us something different or has cleverly lied to us and made, look at what it says, and made the truth made a lie sound like the truth. Happens every day right here on this thing. Every day, people on social media and in the media are making a lie sound like the truth. But can I just tell you this morning, there's something powerful that happens when you know the truth. See, here's the thing. When, when you know the truth, when you have right thinking about God, it leads to right thinking about yourself. And ultimately, how you face the problems in life. And ultimately, it changes everything in your life. So here's the thing. When, when you know the truth... You know what it does as a follower of Jesus Christ? It helps you stand out in a world that's upside down. When you know the truth, it helps you stand out in a world that's upside down. You stand above it all because you know the truth. Now, here's what we're going to do. In just a moment, we're going to go to a story that we looked at, honestly looked at, I think it was just a few weeks ago. You would think I would remember, but I tell you this all the time. Sometimes when I leave here on Sunday, I'll see you guys in a restaurant or in a, like, Publix. And you'll want me to remember something that I said. Good luck. Every service is different, but once I walk out of here today, I kind of cash it out. I'm on to the next day or to the next Sunday. But this is a story that we looked at probably since the first of the year. It's the story, one of the fam my favorite stories from the Old Testament. And I've loved it since I was a kid. It's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But here's what we're going to do this morning. And that's what I love about the scripture. We're going to look at it this morning from a completely different perspective. Because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these guys are what I call legends. Three Israelites carried off to Babylon and placed in captivity. And because Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego were of royalty, because they were of noble birth, as Israelites, they were placed in service to the king. And you have to remember, I said this the last time we talked about this, when they were taken, they were just teenagers. 
But even though they were teenagers, they made a decision from the very beginning that they're not going to let the Babylonian culture get into their life. Even though they were living in a godless culture, they were not going to let the godless culture get into them. So Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, makes a decision one day that he's going to build this giant statue out of gold. And, and he really makes a decree that says, basically, it's kind of like musical chairs. Every time the music plays, you have to stop what you're doing and you have to bow down to the statue. And it actually happens. They play the music, people would bow down. But guess what? They would play the music, everybody else would bow down. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they did exactly what they, they, they were not doing it. And the king finally hears that these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who are really close to him, part of his inner circle, they're not doing the very thing that he decreed. And he gets mad. And here's what it says. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. They've been called on the carpet about not, you know, when the music played, they didn't bow. So they say, you know what? We do not need to defend ourselves. They say, if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Now look at what they say. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your God's or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Now, I don't know whether you could understand it, but there's so much here in the way that they said it. There's, there's so much here in the tone of what they were saying. They weren't being rude. They weren't being disrespectful respectable to King Nebuchadnezzar. They were just confident. Because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they knew something that the king didn't know. And they just politely told him, even though you have decreed this, we're not going to do this because we believe our God will deliver us from it. And they just told it to him. And can I just tell you something? Do, do you understand? Listen, some of you really need to hear this. Do you understand that you can be 100% graceful and 100% truthful at the same time? And when you are, that's when you're most like Jesus. When you're 100% truthful and 100% graceful. That's when you're most like Jesus. But see, what's happened in our society and in our culture is people grab a hold of truth and they weaponize it. And they do that because they're trying to make a point. And what did I tell you just a few weeks ago? You can make a point, but you're not going to make a difference. And you have to decide, do I want to make a point or do I want to make a difference? And these guys say, you know what? We're just not going to do it. And King, we just want you to understand, even let's say God doesn't answer our prayers the way that we want him to answer them. We're still not going to do it. It makes King Nebuchadnezzar so mad that he calls the city of Lebanon and says, pump us out some extra gas so I can turn this furnace up. And he turns it up seven times hotter than it normally would be. So hot that the guards who throw them into the furnace actually burn up themselves. But look at what it says, verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? 
They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed, and the fourth looks like he's a son of the gods. Now, I told you just a minute ago, we're going to look at this in a different way. Today, I want you to look at this through the context of truth. How you having the right theology, how you having the right God thought, how that ultimately ends up impacting every area of your life. Because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these are the guys that knew the truth. And even though they were being held in captivity, they weren't going to allow themselves to be held captive by a lie. Because, see, here's the thing. When you know the truth, listen, when you know the truth and you live that truth out, there are certain things that happen in your life. Let me, let me, let me show you the first one. The first one is this. The truth makes you strong. When you know the truth and you live the truth out, it makes you strong. There's a strength that comes when you know what is right and what is wrong. There's a stability that comes when you know that you're building your life on the right foundation, on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is a solid rock. He's the firm foundation. In fact, when Jesus preaches the greatest sermon known to man, the Sermon on the Mount, at the very end, he says to the crowd, if you'll build your life on these teachings then you're like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And when the winds and the waves came, it didn't phase the structure of that house. Didn't even shake the foundation. But Jesus also said, if you don't build your house on these truths, then you're like the foolish man who built his house on the sands. And when the wind and the waves came, everything falls apart. So Jesus is telling this crowd at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, be like the wise man. Build your life on the truth. Because the truth makes you strong. Here's the second thing. The truth makes you bold. I mean, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not even intimidated by the king's threat of being thrown into the fire. You know what they actually did? They went down to Publix, got some marshmallows, some Hershey bars, and, and, and some graham crackers. And they're like, we're going to have a good time here. It does not bother us, king. They were not intimidated at all by King Nebuchadnezzar because that's what the truth does. The truth makes you bold. And that's what's so true in life. When you know the truth, it gives you confidence. It gives you boldness. So much so that nothing can hold you back. And see, I believe that's the number one tool that the enemy wants to use. He wants to hold you back. He wants to keep you full of fear. He wants to keep you full of, full of anxiety, thinking, well, what if I step out and it doesn't go the way I thought it was going to go? What if I step out and I fail? And all of a sudden, you're held back from trusting God and following God and the big life that God has for you. But when you know the truth, it makes you bold. Here's the third thing I see from this story. The truth makes you contagious. When you know the truth and you live the truth out, it actually starts to get on other people. I mean, at the end of the chapter, the king is, is pulling them out of the fire. I want, I want you to look at what it says in verse 26. Here's what it says. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out. I mean, they're just walking around, s'mores in hand, having a good time. Come here. 
So Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, perfects, governors, and royal advisors, advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads even singed. Their robes were not scorched. And look at what it says. There was no smell of fire on them. Can I just tell you something this morning? I don't know what you're going through, but God wants to bring you through the fire. God wants to bring you through the pain. God wants to bring you through the hurt. God wants to bring you through the trial that you're going through. And when you do, you won't be marked by the pain or the hurt. You'll be marked by his presence. You'll be marked by his stability in your life. And it so marks your life that people look how you've gone through a difficult situation and they say, I don't know what she has, but whatever it is, that's what I want. I want that. I want some of that. It's contagious. It was so contagious that in the story, King Nebuchadnezzar starts praising God right there in front of everybody. Right there in front of his own people. He starts praising God and he even decrees that there is no God like the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he says it right there in front of everybody. Now think about that. Why would King Nebuchadnezzar do that? Because their faith and their confidence and their truth. They knew the truth and it was contagious. And it ended up impacting a godless nation. So here's the thing. When you and I know the truth and we live out the truth, it's going to impact a godless nation. Because when we know the truth and we live out the truth, what does it do? What does it do? It exposes God. But you've got to know the truth. And you can't live out the truth if you don't know what the truth is. So this morning, some of you are saying, well, Randy, how do I, how do I know the truth? When I live in a world that's that's always sending me all these mixed messages. How do I know what the truth is? Can I really know the truth? And this morning, I want to be perfectly clear and let you know the truth because you know what the truth is? The truth is Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the life, I'm the truth. And you can build your life on me. As a matter of fact, when he was standing in front of Pontius Pilate, here's what he said in John 18, verse 37. Look at what he said. He said, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. He came to reveal God. He came to reveal truth to each one of us. And you guys know John chapter 1. Look at, look at the way John chapter 1 starts. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So every time you get into the Word, you know what you're doing? Every time you get into the Word, you're getting into Jesus. Every time you open the Bible, you're getting into Jesus. He came to testify to the truth. And when you open the Word, you know what is happening? The truth is getting into you. And when you get in there, it's building a firm foundation in your life. So here's the thing, in, in, the, in this search for truth, you, you've just, you end up having to ask yourself a fundamental question. Non-Christian, Christian, Baptist, Buddhist, whatever you are. You have to ask yourself a fundamental question, and the fundamental, the fundamental question ends up being this. What is going to be the authority in my life? What's going to be the foundation? What's going to be the basis 
of my belief. And therefore, my behavior. What's it going to be? Can I just be honest with you? It's going to be one of two things. It's going to be the word or it's going to be the world. Bottom line, it's one of those two. You have what the word says or you have what the world says. Well, wait, 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 Randy. Can't I just be my own authority? Can I just be my own authority in my life? No, you can't. You can't be your own authority because can I tell you something? You don't know everything. You don't know everything about life because you, and therefore not knowing everything, you can't be your own authority. I mean, just think, if you go by what you think, just think about all the things that you don't know. And what you don't know can hurt you. Anybody ever play Scrabble? Yeah, you ever play Scrabble and you get to a point and somebody comes up with some word that sounds absolutely preposterous? You know, I was trying to think of one that was just absolutely goofy. and That's not a word. And you're like, yeah, it's a word. It's, no, no, that's not a word. That's not a word. That's not a word. Well, how do you find out it's a word? Go to the dictionary. You go to the authority. When we don't know... We have to appeal to a higher authority. So it's going to be what the world says, or politics say, or what the Word of God says. And see, here's the opinion. Here's the thing about the world's opinion. The opinion of the world is always changing, all the time. What's in today is out tomorrow. What's out tomorrow will be back in 20 years. Guess what people are wearing right now again? Bell bottoms. And I'm going to tell you, one Sunday you're going to come in and daddy's going to have some on. I could rock some bell bottoms in the 70s. And some bell sleeves. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And a vest. I mean, and, and hair down to here. You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, I got a picture. I should have put it in the message. It was, I mean, it, you would have laughed your head. I would have lost your attention for the rest of the message. You know what I'm saying? But the question is this. Are you going to build your life on trend or on truth? And here's the beautiful thing. You're the one that gets to choose. That's what's so good about all this. You get to make the choice, but trends change. But the Word of God remains the same forever. Look at Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. It says, The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the Word of God stands forever. Look at Psalm 119, verse 8. All your words are true. All your laws are right. They last forever. And some of you are sitting there thinking, Randy, okay, okay, I, I hear what you're saying. But how do we actually know that the Bible is actually the Word of God? And can I just be honest with you? There's so much proof that the Bible is actually the, the infallible Word of God that I could stand here and speak on it for three months. Did you know that the Bible has 40 different writers, authors, Written across three continents. Fishermen, craftsmen, herdsmen, poets. Written over a span of 1,500 years. And think about all that, but all that put together from Genesis to Revelation, it all comes together and it has one theme. And that theme is God's pursuit of you and me because God desires to have a relationship with us. And let me just say on top of that, there are three things I want to show you. Here's the first one. Eyewitness accounts. The authors of the Bible, the people who wrote it down, were actually the people who witnessed it. They saw it actually happen. Look at 1 Peter 1, verse 16. It says this, We didn't base our message on clever myths that we just made up. Rather, we witnessed it with our own eyes. In other words, they were actually there and they saw it. 
They witnessed it. They, they, they had proof because they saw it with their own eyes. Here's the second thing. There was a short period of transmission. There was a short period of time from when they witnessed something happening to the time that they wrote it down. Now, I'm going to kind of blow your mind here, so just, just roll with me. Scholars say that the shortest period of time from when they saw it to when they wrote it down was probably 20 years. And you're like, whoa, wait, I thought it was like a day or two. No, it was actually 20 to 30 years. Ah, uh, that's a long time, Randy. I don't actually think that somebody could remember something that happened 20 or 30 years ago. Billie Jean is not my lover. Who is, whose song is that? 1982. You remembered it. Finish this song. Don't break my heart. The Watertown people are always the best. <laughs> 31 years ago. You remembered it. Those happened like 20 to 30 years ago. So don't tell me that if you saw a dead person walking, buried, and raised back to life 20 years ago, you'd remember it. And you could write it down. I mean, think about it. If you saw blinded eyes open, if you saw the lame walking, you would remember every stinking detail. Let me tell you, I saw Alice Cooper in 1973, and I can remember that concert from Municipal Auditorium like I was there last night. Not really a good analogy, but you understand what I'm saying. Let me give you the third thing. It's the accuracy of the manuscripts. The Bible is the most historically reliable manuscript known to man. It has more proof of accuracy than you go back and get the 10 oldest pieces of literature that give you the history of the world. Let, let, me, let me give you four or five in comparison. We're going to put them up here so that you see those. Look at these, look at these four or five documents. Yeah, eight copies, okay? I'm not even going to try to say them because I would butcher them. Eight copies on that one. 20 cup, Tacitus, 20 copies. Caesar's, 20 copies. Livy's Roman history, 20 copies. The New Testament we have 24,300 copies of the New Testament. And here's what's interesting. They all align perfectly to prove that this word is reliable. That you can trust this word. But, but can I give you just one other thing? that tells you that the Bible is the Word of God? It's because it changes lives. This is the thing that has the power to set the captives free. This is the thing that has the power to break addictions. This is the living, breathing, active Word of God. And it's filled with His presence. And it's filled with His promises for your life. So you know what? When you need wisdom, you turn to the Word. When you need strength, you turn to the Word. When you need direction on which way to go and what's right and what's wrong, you go to the Word. It has everything that you need. You just have to open it up and you just have to read it. This is the source of truth that you can build your foundation on. It's the only book that tells you about God. It's the only book that tells you about life. It's the only book that tells you all of the things that really matter when it comes to living life. There's no other book like this book on the planet. So can I just tell you, don't let somebody else's tweet determine your truth. Don't let somebody's ideology shape your theology. This is the only one.
And God, through His Spirit, can help shape us. To help us to be able to see right from wrong and ultimately to know which way to go. So I have a challenge for you today. Let me tell you, the next three or four weeks are going to be fun. At least for me. And here's the challenge. Look for the lies. When you're scrolling through Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and True Social and all those other places, look for the lies. You'll, let me tell you, the lies are going to jump right off the page. Look for the lie, but don't stop there. Find the scripture in here that combats the lie. And let me say, you might, you might not know where it is, but what I'm really wanting you to do is to, to spend the time to find it, to go through it, to look through here and find the scripture that combats the lie that you're seeing on social media or in the media. Look for the three lies that your feed is feeding you. And I'm just going to tell you as you begin to do that, the truth of the Bible, this truth, it's going to bring freedom into your life. So this morning, I'm, I'm going to pray two prayers. And Scott, I just ask you right now just to go ahead and bow your head and close your eyes. I'm, I'm going to pray for revelation. And I'm going to pray for determination. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm just going to pray by, that God, by His Spirit, when you see the lie and you go to Scripture, that God reveals the lie to you and then helps you to find the Scripture to combat that. So I'm praying for revelation and determination. That's the first prayer. The second prayer I'm praying is for that individual today that wants to give their life to Jesus Christ. You've never committed to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Today's your day. God, we just thank you for this time together. We thank you that your word rightly divides, that it's truth. It's light in the darkness. It makes a way when there doesn't seem to be a way. When social media, God, is and media in general is leading us down these paths that are, are everything but the truth. I just pray that we're able to spot the lies. And God, that we'll spend the time to dig into your word, to dig into the truth, to find the scripture that combats the lie that we've seen the world telling us. So give your people revelation and give them determination. Now, if you're that person here or watching online or listening online and you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ and today's the day that you want to do that, would you, would you just pray? Again, my words are not magic. It's about commitment. It's about you opening up your life to Jesus. But would you just pray this prayer after me silently? Jesus, I need you. I need the way, the truth, the life in my life. Today, I open my life up to you to come in and do what only you can do by your spirit. I receive the sacrifice that you made on the cross that we celebrated last weekend. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And from this day forward, I will do everything I can to lean into you, Jesus, and to live my life for you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's a prayer that you prayed, would you indicate that on that tear-off and let us know that? Or you can send me an email, randy at crossroadsleveton.com because baptism is in two weeks and we'd love to include you in that. God, for all of us, here in person, listening, watching online, would you do what you continuously do? And that's to see us through the difficult situations. Would you continue to bring us through the fire, just like you did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Go before us, go behind us, 
and let your hand rest upon us as we ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we stand together? Remember that our God is with us. Let this encourage you this morning. So many times I question certain circumstances, things I could not understand. Many times in trials, weakness blurs my vision, and my frustration seems to get so out of hand. It's then I am reminded that I've never been forsaken. I've never had to stand one test alone. But as I look at all my victories, and the Spirit rises up in me, and it's through the fire my weakness is made strong. He never promised that the cross would not get heavy and the hill would not be hard to climb. He never offered victories without fighting, but he said hell will always come in time. And just remember when you're standing in the valley of decision, if the adversary says give in, just hold on. Our Lord will show up, and He will take you through the fire again. I know within myself that I would surely perish. But if I trust in the hand of God, He'll shield the flames again, again. He never promised that the cross would not get heavy, and the hill would not be hard to climb. He never offered Victors without fighting, but he said help would always come in time. Just remember when you're standing in the valley of decision, and the adversary says, Give. 